All right. We're in the book of Romans. One of these days I will not say that. We are going to have a, a party when we finish this last one. We'll, we'll have a Romans cake and we'll eat that. Praise God. So we're in Romans chapter 15, verse 1, and we'll go through verse 12. I believe we'll get there. We did in the first service, so you're better than the first service, so we'll, we should be able to get there. All right. Romans 15, look at verse 1. Let's read. When then we then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproach you fell on me. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded towards one another according to Christ Jesus, that you may be with one mind and one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore receive one another just as Christ has received us to the glory of God. Now I say that Jesus Christ has become a servant to the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made to the fathers and that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, for it is written, For this reason I will confess you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again he says, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. Again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Laud him, all you peoples. And again Isaiah says, There shall be a root of Jesse, and he shall rise to reign over the Gentiles, and him the Gentiles shall hope. Let's pray over our meal. Father, we thank you for the... Word of God that's blessed, and we're going to open our heart, receive it by faith, and be nourished by it today. Holy Spirit, we call upon you as the divine teacher to anoint the eyes, ears, and heart of each person listening. Open them by the gift of your grace and cause them to see, hear, and understand. Father, I thank you for ministering this word and speaking to your people that they hear you today, and they walk away with what they need, and only you can do this miracle, Father, and I believe it's happening right now, and I thank you and praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's go to verse 1, and, uh, and as you're looking at first verse 1, let's talk about this chapter. This chapter is really concluding the thought that the uh, churches at Rome is really comprised of two main groups of people. There are the Jews that got saved out of legalism, and they are now born again, and they're in the church. Also in Rome, there's a second group called the Gentiles. They came out of paganism. And so they had not been under the law, did not have any, any education in the law at all. And so you have two diametrically opposed cultures coming together and having to learn to be one body together. And so we just saw in the last chapter where he was talking to Jew and Gentile and about how they work together. And so again, he's going to finish this up in this chapter, and then he'll finish up in chapter 16. So let's get to verse 1. It says, we then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. So in this verse, he brings out the strong and the weak. Say, I am strong. I am strong. And you are weak. No. <laughs> Praise God. Thank you. Uh, so they're strong and weak. And so which one do you want to be a part of? The strong. And uh, so he brings those out and he speaks to them. Actually, he spoke to these two groups last chapter. And he had admonitions for both. But now he's only talking in this chapter to the strong. And so why is that? Well, let's dive in. Let's find out how do you become strong? 
And so if you're not strong in, in, as a Christian, how do you become one? Look at 1 John chapter 2, look at verse 14. 1 John 2, look at verse 14, it says, I have written to you fathers because you have known him who is from the beginning. I have written to you young men because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one. So in this verse, what causes you to be strong? The word abides in you. And so this means the word is actively at work in you. And so let me tell you something. Uh, I, my, I'm actively working on processing my breakfast. It's abiding in me. Well, kind of gross, Pastor. You really didn't need to go there, right? But that's a visualization that are you actively processing the word that you've just recently have in or you're meditating or you're in that process with the word. You know, I'm not actively processing a meal I had three weeks ago. And so again, are you actively? And so you become strong by the word of God you're partaking of. That's being nourished in the word. If you haven't eaten for three weeks, you're going to be weak. And as it says, if he that eats vegetables will be weak. That's actually the scripture says that. If you only eat vegetables, you'll be weak. So, Oh, I'm getting a letter now. I'm sorry. <laughs> Praise God. All right. So it's the word of God that will be strong. And so in this chapter, he's going to speak to the strong, but he doesn't say anything to the weak because he, what he said last chapter, they stopped listening. And so they're no longer listening to Paul. As a matter of fact, they probably got offended when he called them weak. And so they're stopped listening. And really now the only one listening now is strong because those are the ones that are continuing to hear the word. So again, Paul is addressing the strong. And it says, bear with the scruples. That's the weaknesses of, of the weak. And so uh, it says, don't, uh, it says here, we then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. And so, it's, you know, it's much more pleasing to operate in your freedom than it is to let some of it go so you can serve someone else. If you're called to ministry, then if you don't like people, it's probably best not to get involved in ministry. Because ministry is, you know what, I could be at home right now watching online to those watching online praise god you're you're probably somewhere around the world and and you had a service you went to and you like to come here so wave at our audience here at home but i could be at home but no the lord's called me to minister to one another and to minister to you and so it says to please one another and so it's much more pleasing to exercise our own freedoms in christ than to release them to serve others and so actually, you know, when, the, when, when you first get into grace, your flesh doesn't like, uh, your, your flesh kind of gets used to legalism. And then when you understand grace, your flesh kind of says, I don't know if I like this. I want to merit it. I want to earn it. But then after you've been in grace for a while, your flesh kind of settles in and goes, wait a minute, I kind of like this freedom thing. Freedom! And your flesh can get into take over in the name of freedom to where no longer is it about anybody else, but you, come, you become a shellfish. You're all clammed up in yourself and about your freedom and you care less about anybody else. And so uh, actually the flesh, in the name of freedom, your flesh can actually take over. Look at Galatians chapter 5. 
Galatians 5, look at verse 13. Galatians 5.13 says, For you, brethren, have been called to freedom, to liberty. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. And so your flesh can say, you know what, I like this grace thing. And so you can just say it's all about you and you can care less about anybody else. And so look at verse 2. It says, Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. So there's some times you're going to have to leave your own comfort zone and your own enjoyment to be able to be a living sacrifice and serve someone else. And so let, your, let it, each, uh, each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. Look at the word edification. It's used for building a house. And so we saw last chapter, the work of God is to build up his church, to build up his body. And that's the work of the Spirit. And so when you take, you take an active work in that, when you start building up other people, and so edification is the work of the Spirit. And so, first of all, before you can edify someone else, what needs to happen? You need to be edified. And so guess how, what's a wonderful way that every believer can be edified? Praying in the Holy Spirit. That's 1 Corinthians 14, I think 1 Corinthians 14, 4. It says, he that prays in an unknown tongue edifies himself. And so I love Smith Wigglesworth. And Smith Wigglesworth says, I will pray in tongues for an hour or two hours and then I'll, I'll edify myself and then I'll go edify the people. And so you can't edify someone if you're not edified. And so you need to be filled with the Spirit. Tell someone you're leaking. Look at verse 3. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. If anybody could have pleased himself, it's Jesus. Because he was up in heaven, perfect environment, you know. And so he was in a perfect trinity of fellowship with the Father and the Holy Spirit. They had angels to serve, beckon, call, whatever they had to. And you know what? They can create anything. He could have created any vacation spot he wanted to. And laid on any beach and anywhere in the world he wanted to. And so he could have just done that. But guess what? He, he said, you know what? I'm not just going to please myself. But I'm going to lay aside my, my uh, attributes of being God. He was still God, but laid aside the attributes of God. His omnipotence. He can do all things. Or be his omnipresence, being there all the time. His omniscience, knowing everything. He laid that aside to become a man. He laid that aside. But not only that, but he ultimately... This verse has proven out that he, went, that he went to a cross. First of all, he was whipped and scourged. And then he was spit upon. And then he was put on a cross where he bled and died for us, for our good, for our edification. And so his spirit lives in you. And so his love is in you. That love that brought him to do it is in you. And so you're not called just to rest on the inner tube of grace singing kumbaya, kumbaya. But you're, you're to serve one another and become a living sacrifice. And this is what Paul's talking about. And so sometimes that is just getting along with someone that your flesh doesn't get along with. Well, your, your flesh doesn't get along with it. And so again, that's what I think Greg Moore talks about, your sandpaper person. You know, so but you have to walk in the spirit. And so there, I might be your sandpaper person. But you know what? In my spirit, you love my spirit. You may, you may not like my soul, but you love my spirit. Praise God. And so, for even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproach you.
fell on me. This is the Lord Jesus talking to God the Father. Because every sin of, of mankind is a reproach against God. It's a reproach to his glory, his honor, his majesty, his grace. And so every sin is a reproach against God. And Jesus said, the reproaches of those that reproached you fell on me. And on the cross, Jesus took our transgressions, our sins, and the reproaches that was towards God, he came on him. Say, praise the Lord, Jesus. Thank you. And so look at verse 4. It says four. Say four. four. When you see the word four, what should you ask? What's it there for? Because a four is a connector. You don't walk up to someone and say, start out with the word four. You're like, okay, what were you saying before? And so look at verse four. Four, 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 that's kind of interesting. Verse four, the word four, for whatever things were written before were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. It seems, Paul, you're talking about, you know what, serving other people, laying down your freedoms, not pleasing yourself to please someone else. And all of a sudden does a 180 and starts talking about the importance of the Word of God. Um, what? Why? Well, answer the question again. How do you become strong? By the Word abiding in you. And so he's going to talk about, you can't do verse 3 without verse 4. If you're not allowing the word to actively being processed, just like a meal being actively processed, if you're not actively processing the word, you're not going to be strong to do verse 3. And so verse 4 is going to talk about four positive things that come from the word of God, being committed to the word of God. And so let's see that in verse 4. It says, for whatever things were written before. Say written before. So at this time, what scriptures were written before? The Old Testament. I call it the OT. The Old Testament. And so here, Paul talks about the importance of the Old Testament. Why do we bring this out today? Because there's some Facebook prophets out there basically saying, you don't need the Word anymore. And especially you don't need the Old Testament anymore. Because it's old. Throw it away. It's no good. But Paul's going to bring out that it's necessary the Old Testament's necessary. All Scripture is, is inspired of God and is profitable to us. And so, raise your hand if you want a prophet. I'm going to take all of the Word of God. The OT, the Gospels, the NT, and I'm even into the maps. I love the maps. <laughs> the concordance is a little off. Anyway, for whatever things were written before him were written for our learning that through patience and comfort of the Scriptures we may have hope. This verse talks about four things that we get from the daily discipline of the Word of God. And so the first thing is, is that what was written before in the Old Testament was written for our learning. You can learn things from the Old Testament. You can learn things from Bible characters in the Old Testament. Who's some of your favorite Bible characters in the Old Testament? David. You can learn some things about David. David, you know, he was having success in ministry. Wherever he was going, God was blessing his ministry. And you know what? He got so, so content in how blessed he was, he stopped seeking God. It says when kings went forth to battle, he stayed at home. And it says in the evening, he got off his bed. What time do you normally get out of bed? I'm a night sleeper. And I wake up in the morning. But David slept all day long and then got up in the evening 
And so he's, having, he's bored, and he's walking around, and then he falls into temptation. I, we can learn from David. What's some other Bible characters? Job. Job. Okay, what about, we're not going to go where Job, fear to tread where Job, I love Abraham. What I learned from Abraham is don't give your wife away to save your neck. It's not good for the marriage. I love learning from Peter. You know, when in doubt, don't talk. His mantra was, in doubt, I will say something. He's up on Mount Transfiguration. Moses and Elijah's there. And it, the scripture says, and not knowing what to say, Peter said. <laughs> it's good that we're here. So we learn things and examples of what things to do, things not to do. It's important. What things were written before him, we learn for our learning that through the patience and the comfort of the scriptures, we might have hope. The next thing is, is the word of God, especially the promises of the word of God, are the soil for our patience. Raise your hand if you're patient. Well, pray for it. Oh, don't pray for it. Now, guess what? If you're born again, you have patience. It's in your born again spirit. Tell someone, let it out. Let it out. Let it out. Let it out. But you're like Prego. It's all in there. You got to pull it out by faith. Some kid's like, what's Prego? Google it. It's a good spaghetti sauce. And so here it says that whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that through patience. So the Word of God is soil for our patience. And so it's that word of God, that promise that you had that keeps you steady. When you want to give up that word, that word of God that's afresh in your heart, and says, no, keep going, keep on. God is faithful. He never has let you go. He's never forsaken the righteous, and his seed has never begged bread. Well, what if they make everybody get this vaccine, and I feel like I'm not supposed to get it, and I can't go to the grocery store? Well, he hasn't lost the recipe for manna. <laughs> He still knows where the ravens are. Hallelujah. Plus, there's a lot of other Christians that have gotten it. We'll get it for me. All right, filter, Rick. Filter. Whatever things were written before were written for our learning that through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures... The third thing, so the first thing is that you will learn. The second thing is it's soil for your patience, anchor for your patience. Next, it, it brings comfort to you. So you can look back and say, you know what, what I'm going through, there's other people in the Word of God that went through what I'm going through and worse things. You know, when, I, when you feel depressed, go back to Ziklag. Go back to the city where David came back from a war and came back and the entire town was burned up. And walk with him through the streets of Ziklag. And you smell the cinders and you smell the smoke. And you feel the, hear the men crying in desperation because their wives and children are gone and maybe never to come back. And then you feel the depression that David had. And he wept to where he couldn't weep anymore. But all of a sudden, something on the inside came back. So a spark of remembrance came back. He says, wait a minute here. I remember when I was out in my, with my sheep that God called me out. This man called me in and, and anointed me with oil and power came on me. And, and I remember a bear came against and I destroyed that bear. And a lion came out and I destroyed the lion. And yeah, there was a giant. 
that came down. And he started encouraging himself in the Lord. And then it says, and then he sought the Lord and God gave him direction. You know, you, oftentimes you need to encourage yourself before you even will seek the Lord. You stir yourself up. Pastor, I was hoping you would. Well, I'll do my best here. But when you're in the darkest night on a three o'clock in the morning, don't call me. If you need to, okay. I'll lay down my sleep for you. But, but start encouraging yourself in the Lord. Seek the Lord. And God says, pursue and you'll get it back. That brings comfort of the scripture. Are you in the scripture? Well, I just don't have any patience. I don't know what's going on and I don't have any comfort. Well, are you in the words? The word abiding in you. The promises abide and alive in you. And then lastly, it says that you, by, through the comfort of the scriptures, you might have hope. Hope is a confident expectation of the goodness of God. Amen. Say, I have a confident expectation of the goodness of God in my life. Well, I don't. <laughs> I don't, Pastor. Well, it's because the word is not abiding. Because it's an anchor for hope in your life. You can live three months without food. You can live three days without water. You can live three minutes without air. But you really can't live three seconds without hope. But it's the word of God that will give you hope. Yeah. See, there's people that say you don't need the word. you got the spirit. All you need is to have the spirit. And the spirit will show you all things. And you wouldn't even know there was a Jesus without the word. Right. Or the spirit was available. Because you can't see those things. It's through the word. So say, I need the word. I need the word. And I need the OT. Amen. Well, I just believe in the Spirit. I don't believe that you have to have the Word. Well, okay. Contraire, mon frere. Look at Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5, 18. Ephesians 5, 18. I don't know what a mon frere is, but it rhymes with contraire. Ephesians 5.18 says, and do not be drunk with wine. That's good. It's good not to be drunk with wine. But you know what? God, for everything God tells you he doesn't want you to participate in, he always in the new covenant replaces it with something with much better. Much better. So here it says, you know, before you were like, well, don't take my Bud Light away. Well, I got something better for you. So much better. Do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Be being filled in the Greek. Why? We leak. Be being filled with the Spirit. And so what's the telltale signs of being filled with the Spirit? Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing. Singing. Can I make the band now? And making melody in your hearts to the Lord. There's a telltale sign. Well, I want you to see something in Colossians. Colossians is a sister book to Ephesians. 
A lot of times the same subjects or topics are said in Ephesians. It's in Colossians. In Colossians. And a lot of times if you put them two together, you kind of get a, more of an understanding of what Ephesians is saying by getting what Colossians is saying. I want you to look in the book of Colossians. Chapter 3, look at verse 16. Colossians 3, 16. It says, let the word of Christ. Say, let the word, let the word of Christ. That's the word of his grace. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. You know what that means on Thanksgiving. When that meal that you had is dwelling within you richly. When's the last time you had a Thanksgiving meal with the word? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Well, Pastor Winnett says, filled with the Spirit, let the word of God dwell in you richly. The same result. Could it be that part of the Spirit-filled life for a believer is letting the word of God richly dwell in your heart? Yes. The word and the spirit work together, not separately. Well, I don't need the word. I just have the spirit. Oh, so, uh, no, you're wrong. Uh, wrong oh. So the word of God is very important for learning, for soil, for your patience, for comfort, and that you may have hope. Look at verse 5. Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you, say grant, you to be like-minded towards one another according to Christ Jesus. Here we find out that God is the God of patience. God is a patient God. Aren't you glad? Tell someone God's been patient with you. Tell someone else he's been real patient with you. <laughs> then why aren't you patient with you? Well, I, I'm just... I need to be further. I should be over further along in life. I should understand this grace thing. I should have this overcome. You know, and you, you're beating yourself to and fro above the, about the head and shoulders. You're beating up a, a, a body member of Jesus. You know, there's a lot of Christians that are looking at Jesus adoringly, loving him, and stomping on his foot at the same time. When you gossip and you run down other Christians and you worship Jesus it's like worshiping him and stomping on his foot but you do that when you do that to yourself I have two words for you stop it <laughs> verse 5 verse 4 talks about the importance of the word verse 5 talks about the importance of prayer so the two resources for the Christian walk is the Word of God and prayer, specifically also praying in the Holy Spirit. Because that's the only type of prayer not given in the Old Testament. It's a new covenant prayer. It's grace is God help. Tell someone you need help. Tell someone else you really need help. So, you know, God says you need help in prayer, and I'm going to give you grace prayer. When you don't know what to pray and you've run out of your English in the first 10 minutes, you prayed for all the missionaries and everything, and you thought you prayed for an hour, and you, you know what? You can pray in tongues and, and, and connect with God, and he helps you in prayer. Pray the perfect prayer. And so he wants to help you. And so, so it says, now may the God of patience and comfort grant you. Grant. Say grant. grant. 
Who's buried in Grant's tomb? There you are. I don't know. My squirrel. I'm sorry. I'll come back. Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you. What is that? Grant, Grant speaks a prayer. Well, I just was hoping that God would see my need and he would just start moving in my life. It doesn't work that way. Well, he's sovereign, isn't he? Yeah. But in his sovereignty, he limited some of that sovereignty and gave you some of it. He's given you authority over the earth, especially your own life. You know, if God can make you do anything, he would have made you make your bed this morning. But, he, but, he, but he's given you authority, and you must, he, you must ask him, give him permission to move in the realm of your natural. You do that by prayer. You need patience today, he's the God, he's full of patience. Do you need comfort today, he's full of comfort. Well, I'm not, why didn't he just do it? Well, you must ask him. Prayer. Has it come, prayer, has it come to that? Pray without ceasing. Prayer is the language of dependence. A prayerless Christian is an independent Christian. Well, I thought independence was good. Well, not in your walk with God. You need Jesus. Tell someone you need Jesus. Tell someone else you really need Jesus. Words you don't want to hear is, oh, I got it from here. You ever said that? Well, I got it from here. And then, you know, your, the, your parents are holding the bike. I got it from here. <laughs> Run into the fire hydrant. I don't got it from here. All right. So what, are, what, what should we be praying? We should pray for a miracle. Amen. You ever prayed for a miracle? Let me tell you, one of the biggest miracles in the Bible to pray for is that you be like-minded towards one another. Matter of fact, in our prayer team, I told my prayer team, I want, I want you praying to the God of patience and comfort to grant us to be like-minded once to another in this church. A miracle. And pastor, does that mean that we'll all agree on when the tribulation and, and the rapture and are you, post, are you a post-toasty? Are you a mid-tribber or a pre-tribber? I'm a pan-tribber. It'll all pan out. But, but, but a prayerful Christian, a Christian abiding in the word and in prayer, be like-minded. Well, what mind are we going to have a life? If we're not all going to agree specifically on every doctrine, what, how can we be like-minded? We have the same mind Jesus had. That's a good mind to have. And we have it in our spirit. Let it out. Philippians 2, 5. Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. Well, what kind of mind did he have? who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a servant. Didn't please himself. Didn't enjoy all of his freedoms, but limited it to minister to someone else that wasn't quite like him. According to Christ, verse 6 says that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So that one mind is a mind of servanthood. We're serving one another. But we need to have one mouth, and your mouth needs to get saved. Tell someone you need to get your mouth saved. You need to have redemption for your mouth. Matter of fact, this word mouth, the word mouth 
is found four times in the book of Romans. And following each, exam, each instance of the word mouth, you find the redemption for the mouth. Let's look at the first time in the book of Romans where the mouth is mentioned. It's Romans 3.14. The first time the mouth is mentioned is in Romans 3.14. It says the mouth, the, their mouth was full of cursing and bitterness. Now, this is the start, not the end. So, believer, this is not where you, this is not what you ought to be up to. So, keep on here. The mouth was full of cursing and bitterness. Next of all, we see in Romans 3.19 that the mouth was stopped. Tell someone, stop your mouth. 3.19 says the law stopped their mouth. It shut their mouth up. But look in, moves on in Romans 10.9. It says, and the mouth, with the mouth, you confess Jesus as Lord. Your mouth confesses him as Lord. And then finally in this verse in Romans 15, 6, it says the mouth is actively praising and worshiping the Lord. How do you know your mouth is saved? It's by all the murmuring, griping, and complaint. I'm sorry, clueless translation. When you're worshiping and praising the Lord. And out of your heart, the boundaries of the mouth how do you know? I, I can know if you are richly letting the word dwell in you because of what's coming out. I can tell if you're actively processing oxygen by what's being excelled out, carbon dioxide. If you're not excelling carbon dioxide, you are not processing oxygen and it's called dead. The carbon dioxide is proof that you've utilized oxygen, processed it, and it's come out. How do you know that you've been richly dwelling, the word's been richly dwelling and processing in your heart? What will come out? Remember it says psalms, hymns, spirit, singing, thanksgiving, praise. So, so if that's not coming out, I don't care how much you understand grace, how much you say you're a grace site. You're not actively processing grace because that's what comes out, the word of his grace. Let with one mind and one mouth glorify our God and Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 7. Therefore receive one another just as, say just as, Christ has received us to the glory of God. How did Jesus receive you? Was there stipulations? There was kind of like fill out triplicate, we'll see. Once you get your hang-ups all figured out, then I'll receive you. Just as I am. So it says, therefore you receive one another just as you have been received. Well, they don't have it all together. Oh, really? Well, they don't know everything. Neither do you. Jesus receives you. Receives other people. Well, they're not like me. Well, that's good. There's only one of you. <laughs> Therefore, receive one another just as Christ has received us to the glory of God. What's the glory of God? It's the big shiny cloud. <laughs> no, the glory of God. Moses asked that one day, show me your glory. That's okay. You want, I'm going to show you. And he says, I'm going to parade by you and I will proclaim my glory. This is what he said in Exodus 34, 6. 
And the Lord passed before Moses and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful, say merciful, gracious, long-suffering, abounding in goodness and truth. That's the glory of God. His goodness, His grace, His mercy. And He received you to the glory of God, to His kindness to you and His grace to you, and His mercy to you. Then why are you not receiving yourself that way? Well, I'm talking about you should receive others. No, you can't love others if you haven't. You can't give what you don't have. So God's received you, but you don't. God's patient and merciful with you, but you're not. Don't stomp on Jesus' foot. Don't stomp on someone else's. The other foot. Verse 8. Now I say that Christ, Jesus Christ became a servant. Servant, servant, servant. He became a servant. He could have stayed in heaven and been served. No, he left it. All the freedoms. Endless possibilities when you're God. But he limited it. When you make a decision, you limit all the others. And he came down here and became a man, limited himself for you. Now, you can't do that in your flesh, but you can through the power of him strengthening you. Now I say that Jesus Christ has become a servant to the circumcision, that's the Jews, for the truth of God to confirm the promises made to the fathers. Jesus came first to the Jews. I came to the lost sheep of Israel first. It says to confirm the promises made to the fathers. Who were the fathers? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Joseph, and but the first father was a promise made to Abraham. What was a, a promise that Jesus came to confirm? To you, Abraham, and your seed shall all of the world be blessed. All the nations of the world be blessed. And so he says, I will come and become the seed of Abraham. He was born out of Abraham's line. And he became the seed of Abraham and fulfilled the Abrahamic covenant to which now the gospels opened, not just to the Jew, but all you allians, you Gentiles out there. And you got in on this because Jesus decided to leave the comfort of heaven and to become the seed of Abraham to let you in. He was beaten and bruised and whipped and in sorrow so you could have joy. Verse 9, that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. Because what Jesus did, the Gentiles get in on it. Look at that word mercy. When do you need mercy? Well, yeah, that's a good answer. You need it when you, when you don't deserve it. Which is always. I love it. He says God's mercy endures forever so why aren't you having mercy towards yourself why aren't you having mercy towards other people that don't have it all together the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy as it is written for this reason I will confess you this is actually Jesus talking to God the Father 
For this reason I will confess to you among the Gentiles and sing your name. Jesus sings when you sing. When we sing in our worship service, Jesus is going to join us and sing among the Gentiles. He's going to sing praises to God. You say, well, I don't sing much because I don't sound very good. I heard a story one time. This guy was in a church service, and there was a guy right in front of him, and he was just singing with all of abandon, and it was like Barney Fife in the choir. Man, it was like, you know, nails on a, on a chalkboard. He's like, oh, shut up. But all of a sudden, he, got, he had a vision, and the Lord showed there were notes coming out of his mouth ascending up into heaven. And as it got to God's throne, it was melodious and beautiful. Because somehow there's a miracle from your mouth to him. He fixes it. <laughs> this reason I'll confess to you among the Gentiles and sing your name to your name. Verse 10. And again he says, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. Say, hallelujah. hallelujah. Really. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Woo. With his people. That means Jew and Gentile all together. The book of Acts says that he, in this dispensation of the church, that the tabernacle of David is being erected. Re is being erected again. Tabernacle of David, what was that? You know, there was a tabernacle in Shiloh where the law was, and then you had the outer court and the inner court, and you had the, you know, the, the, the veil, and you had the priesthood going in, only the high priest could go in. Well, when David said, you know what, I, don't want, I want the ark with me. So he went and grabbed the ark out of that tent, and just hauled the ark to Jerusalem. And until there was a temple, he says, I'm just going to build a tent for it. And he built a tent, but there was no partitions in it. It was just open. It was like a tent with a, you can see into it. And you could just see the ark there. And Jew and Gentile gathered around and they just worshipped around. And there were singing. There weren't any blood sacrifices. There was just singing night and day. Worship night and day. And everybody had access to the ark and they were just worshipping, praising God. He says in this day he's erecting, re-erecting the tabernacle of David. Where Jew and Gentile have access to God and we worship and pray with the, with the, with the fruit of our lips and the calves of our praise. Verse 11. Again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Laud him, all you peoples. Those that are saved from the most worship the most. Verse 12. And again, Isaiah says, there shall be a root of Jesse. That means someone before Jesse. That's Jesus. Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. There will be a root of Jesse, and he will rise, say rise, rise. to reign over the Gentiles. He rose from the dead yeah. to include you, yeah. and he will reign over the Gentiles. And in him the Gentiles shall hope. And Jesus, as our example, left the freedoms of heaven to serve others. And every time God asks you to step out of your comfort zone and minister to someone with a gift that God's given you, you serve Jesus and you worship Him. 
And you let his spirit live out through you. And become a living sacrifice. Bow your heads. Father, I thank you so much for your word. Thank you, Jesus, that you left the comfort of heaven. Unlimited freedom of heaven. And you limited yourself to become a man. To serve us. And you took suffering upon yourself so we could have joy today. And Lord, you received us. So we now can receive others. And Lord, first of all, it comes about receiving ourselves, Accepting ourselves, forgiving ourselves, Letting ourselves go. Being patient with ourselves, So we can be patient with other people. Thank you for that your spirit's moving upon your people. Showing them just how much you love them and you're patient towards them. And you're here to comfort them. And encourage them. And to live through them. For the good of other people. We thank you for this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I believe this song is important to your life, but let's lift it up and sing it over the saints, the brothers and sisters in Afghanistan. There's another one in the fire, the fourth man that's able to deliver them out with no smell of smoke. So let's sing that over our brothers. When one part hurts, the other part hurts. I'm going to give a message in tongues. If you get the interpretation, come right up here and give it. All over the world, my people are hurting, and especially in Afghanistan. They are hurting so bad, and many are hearing my call, and many are calling out to me. Be faithful in your prayers for my hurting people in Afghanistan. The other day when I was praying, the Lord showed me that many are depressed and feeling very hopeless as they're praying about our Americans and Afghan brothers and sisters. So I asked the Lord, what are you saying to me today? And his answer was, watchful, be watchful and pray, stay the course, be strong and don't waver, hold the line and stay in faith. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And, and he said some other things, and I, I had felt so weepy and heartsick over it. And all of a sudden, I began to pray in the Spirit. And when I did that, the Lord gave me declarations. And when I started making declarations out of the Word over them, my whole attitude changed, and I had power and authority. And at the very end of this, declaring the Word, what God has said, just like we did Psalm 91, is so vital. We need to watch over our hearts with all diligence. Don't get into fear. And the last couple sentences Holy Spirit said to me was, stay the course, trust the Lord, be in faith and pray. Mir mighty miracles will happen. And seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Stay the course. <laughs>